me. I can hear myself, but I do not hear you. Can you hear me now? Now I hear you. <laughs> okay. And I don't hear myself anymore. So that, that may be a good thing. I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, I guess, you know, well, it depends. I mean, if you've got an instantaneous, uh, you know, response of your voice into your ears, it's great. If there's a delay, then it's fucked up. There was a delay. Ugh. Yeah, so, yeah. It's disconcerting. It is. It's, that's how you talk when there's a delay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. It, it just definitely messes with your head, and you just, you can't, you can't get it straight. You can't talk normally. No, it's impossible. Makes it difficult. Yeah. All right, man. Hey, what's up? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, it's been, you know, it's only Wednesday, but it feels like it should be Friday, but it's not. (laughs) Two more days at work. Yeah, I got to work Saturday too, so. Oh, fun, fun, fun. But last night we had a work thing that went late, and so today I only worked half day. Really, I only worked three hours. Oh, that's cool. It was not so bad, but yeah, I got to work a half day Saturday too, so that kind of sucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hey, I thought the show last week had a lot of of rubber bandy, horrible sounding crap. It had some buzzing, and you're doing that right now. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if Skype is any better. Yeah, I know. We could try Uvu again, maybe. I mean, we could. Or see what happens tonight, and then make a decision from there. Okay. Well, whatever you whatever you'd like to do, I'm okay with. Right. Because right now you sound great. Okay. Yeah. It's just uh, occasionally it'll go. Yeah. See, and it that doesn't happen on my end. I didn't hear any of it on my end, but when I listened to the episode, of course, there's a lot of it. Yeah. I mean it. It seems to come at not good times, so right. <laughs> yeah, that that makes right. it even worse. Yeah, that's true because then things get kind of garbled and so. All right, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Enough about that. We'll, uh, you know, if it happens again with this episode, we may have to reconsider. And, okay, uh, we'll see if maybe Uvu has fixed their bullshit problems by right. now. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, I'm good with that. You know, say what you will about them, especially with you know what happened last week. For the most part, audio quality was pretty good once it was working. Right, right. And I, mean, uh, I think the audio quality on the Skype is okay. Oh, it is there good. Was just, yeah, except just, when those times happen where, you know, you know, it gets weird garbled and scratchy sounding and weirdness. Yeah. Yeah, what are you going to do? Like, like a bad auto-tune. <laughs> All auto-tune is bad auto-tune. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, Shares Do You Believe in Life After Love is a fantastic song. Well, yeah, but it, but it could have been I'm just gay. as good without the auto-tune. Perhaps. Because Cher, Cher has or had a good voice. I guess she still oh, she does. Still, yeah, I think she still does. Yeah, she's old, yeah. too. I mean, she's like 70-something. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's Love a, her. Yeah, it's impossible to tell how old she Really is. I mean, she's had a little work done. Yeah, but you know, hey, you she know, she still looks great. I mean, I'm sure she, you know, she's wearing a wig most of the time. Hey, but you know, but that's that was kind of par for the course, you know, for women of her age when she was young. I mean, all all women kind of wore wigs for fun, right? You know, to give you a a different look. You know, right? She, yeah, I mean, on her TV show, she probably had on ten different wigs throughout the show for all the different skits. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. She had to wear different ones. And Sunny wore different mustaches. Ah! 
You wore a wig too, probably. Yeah, I would. I might. Why not? He had a hairpiece. Hairpiece. <laughs> he had a hairpiece. Oh my God! He had a hairpiece out in front of everybody. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, hell yeah. Hey man. If I was a big Wait, celebrity, I'd be wearing hair pieces just like Bruce Willis does. Right? Why wouldn't you? And Ted Danson and all those folks. Yeah. And Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. And uh, uh, that other guy. <laughs> Who's you name know, Woody Harrelson. I'd be, I'd be dying it like Ted, uh, like um, Tom Cruise. Oh hell yeah! Of course. Well, I think that's why he broke his ankle this week. He had a little hair dye in his eyes and missed that jump. <laughs> <laughs> It's terrible, terrible person. But then again, he's a terrible person. So, uh, yeah, he's a he's a shill for Scientology. Oh, what a what a nutty nutty thing! Just like you know, I like Travolta. I, uh, yeah, I watched. Uh, you know, Leah Remini is doing a second season of her Scientology show, her anti Scientology show. Right. Wasn't there a, a brand new episode just came out a couple of days yeah. ago? Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Last I, night. Yeah, I saw the preview to it. It looked like it was going to be good, and I just never saw the actual episode. I saw it was uh, on my DVR. I just forgot about watching it. Yeah. All right. So uh, any any cool revelations, or they're just going down different avenues of badness uh, regarding Scientology? Well, I missed the first uh, 20 minutes or so. They had these two uh, women on mm-hmm. who had been in Scientology when they were younger, and one of them uh, was molested by her dad who was yeah. in Scientology, and one was molested by some someone else in the church, supposedly, allegedly. And yeah. um, uh, and so the thing that looks interesting about this season is they're talking more about we need to do something to go after these people, to go after the church. They're just not talking about exposing the church anymore. They're talking about trying to shut down the church. Wow. Uh, Holy yeah. shit. Okay. Yeah, so well, I'm like, well, that's that's getting serious. They're really uh, that's kind of their motivation is we, you know, which, you know, I'm all for it. More power to them. Yeah, hey, I mean, how many decades have there been people talking about how, you know, they uh, you know, their horse, their Scientology horror stories and, you know, finally maybe it will be coming to an ahead, who knows? I mean, Jesus. Yeah. How long is it going to go yeah. on? Right. And before I get uh, pegged as some kind of anti-Scientology person, um, <laughs> too late. I'm already. I am more than just anti-Scientology. I'm anti every religion. I want to. They need. They all need to be shut down. Well, I there's mean, not. There's not one that I think is has any value to it at all. Well, there's something to be said for that. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I don't think. Scientology is any nuttier than any other fucking religion. It's all about something some nutcase said m- years and years ago that you buy into. True. Yeah, and okay. it and it's just perpetual. Okay, so. No, I, I get it. I get it. It's perpetuated from generation to generation. The only difference between it and any other religion is that the other religions have been around longer and are more right. in, entrenched in uh, society throughout the world and have larger congregations possibly yeah i don't know what the size of scientology's supposed you know well they claim that their membership is in the millions but it's probably more in the tens of thousands you think i think it's in the millions i mean they're everywhere they're in australia those crazy people are everywhere well true but uh, I, I think on, on Leah Rimini's show, they had actually mentioned that probably actual numbers are probably in the, yeah, the closer to, I don't know, maybe maybe not tens of thousands, but hundreds of thousands instead of, you know, 
millions as Scientology claims. Um, they, their membership was probably larger in the 70s and 80s than it is now, just because of uh, uh, more access to information for people and, and, you know, people getting out and telling others, you know, don't get involved in this shit. Right, right, yeah. Because Scientology, yeah. yeah, Scientology was kind of, you know, the hip and cool new religion, you know, that uh, hippies were flocking to back in, you know, the 60s and 70s. And, and then, yeah, uh, but the church is full of, still full of those people and they've gone to other countries. Scientology's everywhere over the all over the globe now. True. Probably the most of their power is just the the sheer amount of real estate they own all over the world because of all the money they've extracted from their, you know, members over the, you know, these many 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 decades, you know. I mean, each individual people, you know, or you know, some are spending, you know, depending upon their means, some are some are giving millions to the church whereas, you know, just uh lower level members who don't have a lot of money are, you know, going into debt and bankruptcy and, you know, you know, spending, you know, multiple tens of thousands of dollars, you know, or hundreds of thousands of dollars way outside of their means, you know, all for for uh for a church. Crazy shit, right. man. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway. <laughs> So is this the uh, Scientology sh- anti-Scientology show, or is this uh, uh, the Twin, hope, P- Twin, Peaks so. epi- Twin Peaks episode of A Slippery Slope? I was just reading I, – I wrote a thing after – I watched an episode of it a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, uh-huh. one of the older ones from season one, and I wrote this long, lengthy thing about it. It's not that long, but – Okay. I was just like, I was just reading it while you were talking because I was like, because uh, I remembered I got kind of, I got kind of hyped up after I saw one of the episodes, and I was like, sure, uh, uh, it's like, oh, Leah, Leah Rimini, let's face it, she's nutty, but uh, no one's gonna be surprised if if uh, something happens to her and she dies unexpectedly, right? Um, yeah, but you know, but if that happens, they're going to look guilty as can be. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure if their, their, their methods include murder, but I don't see that outside of the realm of possibility. I mean, certainly they are, uh, guilty of, uh, character assassination of people and, and, and trying to, uh, fuck with people's livelihoods. That's, uh, certainly been documented as far as i can tell um oh yeah you know i mean it it could just be depending upon how much of a perceived threat that they see what what type of links that they will go to to put a stop to those threats right yeah you know so i mean yeah i mean it's it's funny because she's a target and at the same time if they target her every you know it's gonna it's gonna be hard for them to target her because she's such an open target yeah, I mean, the more visibility that she has, the harder it is to silence her, uh, you know, in a yeah. permanent fashion. True. Right, yeah. I mean, it's hard to, I mean, and what the other thing I like is, you know, their whole their whole um, modus operandi when somebody goes against them is to, it, first they try and silence them. If they can't do that, then they try and make them look completely nutty. And it's like, too late. She, All right. She's, she's already nutty, oh, you well, know. That's she's true. She's kind of, <laughs> she's kind of weird but i like her and uh and i really i just love the show right i mean you know and granted you can say that you know she's probably a little nutty because of all the years she spent in scientology i mean who wouldn't be a little scar- right. scarred because of that exactly yeah and, exactly uh, have, you se- 
Have you seen the claws on that woman? <laughs> yes. Holy <laughs> shit. She wouldn't seem so nutty if she just had a, she shortened her nails just a little bit and unsharpened them just a little bit. But right. know, that's not but I, for, that's not for me to say. I mean, right. they are her fingernails, I mean, she should she should do with them what she wants. Well, I think she was constrained, especially when she was a kid, so much uh-huh. that she's just like let the genie out of the bottle, and now it's it's out full force. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. probably as strong an advocate for Scientology she was in her younger days. She is just a strong, you know, anti advocate at this point. Right. So beware. She, think... she learned all of the tricks right. <laughs> from them, and now she's turned them around. Right. Yeah. Exactly. They it, trained her well. Yeah. <laughs> except yeah. now. Except now she has actual truth on her side. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She. You know, it's funny because this show when I first came on, I was like, eh, I already know that Scientologists are complete nutcases. Why would I watch this show? It's just an mm-hmm. hour of them telling me shit they all, I already know. Yeah. But nephew made me watch it, and I watched a couple episodes, and now I'm totally into it. Right. It's fascinating, especially the people that are associated with it. They've got the, you know, the Mike Rinder guy who is like really high up in the organization, uh, you know, yeah. as, as her sidekick, you know, for, for lack of a better term. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, what a resource he is. I mean, if, uh, you know, he, <laughs> he was definitely a huge insider in that organization. So, I mean, any information he has to share is top secret stuff that's uh, right. available. Well, now. and he's like her. They've trained him well, so well that, you know, you don't want the people you train to go to be. It's just like you don't want to train your dogs to go after people like rabid dogs and then somebody turns them on you, right. you know? Right, a, right. They, they should have seen that coming. Yeah, that reminds me of a uh, Game of Thrones. Where this guy, <laughs> oh, see, I'm going down a slippery slope. Ramsey, I know, Ramsey, I know. I... This character Ramsey Bolton was an evil motherfucker who would, you know, feed people to his dogs. And so, when he was captured, they took his dogs and starved them for a long time, and then threw him in the cage with his starving dogs, and they tore him apart. Oh wow! Yeah. Hey, what was his name again? Ramsey's what? Ramsey Bolton. This is a gay show, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit yeah they, got, they do have some names don't they they we're, do yeah we were talking about theon Greyjoy the other day and now we got ramsey bolton ramsey bolton uh, yeah damn i got kind of a uh, fluffy just hearing that name <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh man yeah yeah probably <laughs> okay. Well, and uh, I looked up what is his name again? Theo Lovejoy. What is it? Theon Greyjoy. Greyjoy. Mm-hmm. Isn't he the guy who plays him? Isn't he kind of young and good looking? Uh, I he's kind of kind of weird looking. You might actually like him because he's weird yeah. looking. I'm thinking I googled him and I saw a picture of the character. Whoever I don't know who the actor is and was like, mm, he's not bad looking guy. Yeah, I, I think uh, as an actor, I think as as a character in the show, they kind of have him made up to, to, to make his eyes look more goggly and uh, skinny and looking unwell. But uh, I'm sure right. the, the actor That's... himself is probably, you know, fine. That is my type, man. <laughs> skinny, sickly looking, <laughs> young. 
too yeah. sick to grow facial hair. That's exactly what I like. Yeah, he's very, very sparse uh, facial hair, that's for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure yeah. how old he is, but... Yeah, he doesn't look, um, you know, he's certainly not out of his 20s. Right, yeah. And now and now I got to look him up again because I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I remember him being kind of hot. Yeah. Um, and anyway. he has a pee hole. Oh, no, that's just his character. Never mind. Oh, that's right. Oh, that, he's the one that has a gaping pee hole. <laughs> well, I'm not, well, whatever. <laughs> right. From being, uh, from having his junk. Uh, removed. Moved. Yeah. He was... Unix sized oh, by by Ramsey Bolton. Oh well, yeah, you're gonna get your junk cut off. <laughs> <laughs> Is Ramsey Bolton any relation to Michael Bolton? That's probably uh, not. <laughs> no, well, you never know. I know, right? Yeah, they were they were both torturous. They were. <laughs> <laughs> they were and are. Yes, yes indeed, indeed, indeed. Uh, <laughs> Well, oh, hey, boy. man, have you read any? Not let me, I'll try and veer the conversation back over to Peaks. All right, have good. you had a chance to read any more of the 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 history of Twin Peaks or the secret history of Twin Peaks or whatever it's called? Yes, I managed to read a few more pages and and got into it and found out. A, a, I guess there was a report from uh, uh, Douglas uh, Milford uh, talking about three children who he saw yeah. possibly abducted in the uh, forest near Owl Cave. Right. Uh huh. And uh, then there was like a, a medical report, and right. one of the kids turned out to be uh, Catherine Coulson when she was a little girl. Which right, I, Margaret Coulson. Yeah. The, oh yeah, yeah. Catherine Coulson. Catherine Coulson is the actress. That's why. Oh, that's right. When I okay. saw that medical report, I was like, "Oh my god, it's the log lady. It's a little girl." <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was pretty wild. That the yeah, the log lady as a little girl had been abducted by uh, what seemed to be an alien spacecraft. At least according to Douglas Milford. Right. Yeah. Even though he didn't. And uh huh. And a giant owl. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That the, the the I think the children had mentioned that they had seen uh, an owl or yeah I, I do remember mention of a giant owl yeah. by someone in there but, yeah uh, and then yeah. the one of the other kids was oh i don't know i don't think i got that far <laughs> oh okay so i know kind of where you are yeah yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. They're, towards the end of that, they cut, they tell you who one of the other kids was, and it's really interesting. Ooh, okay. Mm. So I'll wait for you to. All right, somebody around the same age as uh, the log lady, huh? Yeah, I would say yeah. Okay, within a couple of years. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's uh, so once you get through the, I really got a little bit bored during the UFO stuff with Douglas Milford and the 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 different military units that were designed to um deny ufos right yeah no i understand because that that kind of uh discussion or information has you know been discussed through you know ufo conspiracy theorists you know for decades now so that kind of information seems kind of like old hat right and there was like there was a thing where they were talking about the guy who owned a, a magazine and printed some stuff, and all during those discussions, there were so many characters involved in that that I got really confused over who was who and what was what. It yeah. just it was it seemed like way too much to keep up with, and I wasn't that interested in keeping up with it, so I just kind of let it go. But I read most of it. Uh-huh. But what's what's cool is after you get through that part. Then with this owl cave story of the kids, yeah, 
you start getting more and more as it progresses it becomes more and more about twin peaks and the history of characters we're familiar with oh good okay and that's really cool yeah i think um yeah i also remember uh there was uh i guess it was a news story talking about hank jennings father had uh had seen uh, a ufo being chased by a an Air Force jet. Uh, I think his name was Ennis or Ian Ennin. En- en- yeah, remember now. I vaguely remember something about that. So that was kind of a, at least, and and in the the notes, you know, the notes by the red notes by TP had mentioned, you know, Hank Jennings had gone to prison for uh, vehicular manslaughter or something. Right. You know, Hank Jennings was Norma Jennings' husband, the owner of the Double R Diner. Yeah, Hank Jennings played by, um, oh, what's that actor's name? Chris Mulkey. Yeah, one of my least favorite characters on the show. (laughs) But he he begins to appear in some of the, when it gets a little bit more into modern times in the story of Twin Peaks. Oh, okay. um, He pops up a little bit too, so... How far have you gotten? Hmm. Uh, I'm probably about twenty pages ahead of you. Okay. Okay. All so right. I'm a little bit ahead. So. All right. But you're you're getting right to right after they talk about the the kids at Owl Cave. It starts getting into um uh, much more of the history of Twin Peaks from with w- with the history of characters that we we know. Okay. Good. Good. All right. Because so, yeah. Uh, yeah, all that. You know, all that background stuff is somewhat interesting, but yeah, it kind of gets a little dense when they're talking about people you've never heard of before. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know. So, and I don't know, you know, I'm ready to start talking about the show, but I do have one thing I wanted to mention before we really delve in. Okay. And that was uh, kind of a correction from last week's uh, episode. Okay. Um, where I mentioned that uh, we talked about that John Savage had a, a small role in the in part 13. Yes. And I said uh, that John Savage was in a, a 1980 movie of the week or, or mini series of Brave New World. Right. But he's not. Oh. The character's, <laughs> okay. The, the character's name in Brave New World is John the Savage. Oh, um, and, right, right, right. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. I remember there was, the character from reading the yeah. book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and there was a there was a movie in the in 1980, um, and it stars Bud Court and the guy from um, 2001: A Space Odyssey, whose name I pronounce as Kier Duella, but I don't know how you really I say think it, it. I think it's Kier Delay. Kier Delay. Okay, uh, makes sense. Yeah, Kier Delay. Right. Actually, I think I've heard someone say it that way. Now that you say it, yeah. Yep. The- so anyway, I just wanted to clear that up because I I was I oh. was looking for a, a movie clip of it. Okay. Uh, to post on the Facebook page, and then I was like, "Wait, you know." And then I started looking for it because apparently they showed it on the BBC um, sometime after it was shown in America, uh-huh. and uh, you can actually go online on YouTube and find the whole thing if you want to watch the whole thing. Ah, okay, all right. I found there. There's a lot of things that you can see on YouTube. Yeah, like, uh, is it maybe because uh, they become uh, uh, public domain? I don't think so, because like you can see Horace and Pete on there. I think it's uh, people posted and the and if if you know it's I can't imagine how hard it is for these companies to keep that stuff off YouTube. Right. I mean, some uh, companies are very good and quick to. Uh, spot or find people who have you know pirated their shit but others i guess just don't care or 
don't have teams of lawyers uh, scouring YouTube uh, 24-7. Right, yeah. Uh, It's interesting because there are a lot of older things that probably are in the public domain or are so old that Mm -hmm. nobody – there's no market for them anyway so they don't care or, you know, something like that. But it's it's really funny when I'm looking for clips to post on Facebook about things that we've talked about on the show and sometimes I find stuff that I'm like – you know, you can find old movies and old TV shows, and there's a ton of shit out there. Yep. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's an amazing resource, that's for sure. It's cool. It's interesting. So. Yeah. And, of course, I never have enough time to watch any anything on there, really, that's well, longer than a couple minutes. No, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Uh, sometimes uh, I'll watch something that I'm interested in and then kind of fall asleep and then it just keeps going to the next video or a next video or a next video and then by the time i wake up i'm like how the hell did i get to this video right, yeah. it's crazy yeah these yeah you go down a definitely go down a wormhole and uh, it's yeah it can be nutty yeah where you end yeah. up oh since since you did a mia culpa i have one that i have to do uh ah. and it was two episodes ago i kept calling sarah palmer sarah horn i think i did it at least twice in in one episode. Oh, we uh, didn't catch it. I thought we caught it. Uh, well, I, you know, I think you had after I had said Sarah Horn, you had then after afterwards not necessarily correcting me, but just said the correct thing, Sarah Palmer. And ah, uh, uh, okay. So, anyway, you know, I, I'm sure everybody understood. You know, who was listening? We're going. Uh, no, you got the last name wrong. It's Palmer. Right. But, you know, I, I had half a mind to go back and edit, re-edit that particular episode, and then I was like, eh, fuck it. It's a, it's a accurate reflection of the time that we ha- did. Right. You know, right. I used to have that with uh, when I did uh, File 13, the website where I reviewed movies, because I saw so many movies and I was holding down a real job. Yeah. And I would, I would write reviews— and I I had spell check, but, you know, it wouldn't catch things like if I spelled there wrong, you know, if it was T-H-E-R-E or T-H-E-I-R or, right. you know, it, it, it would do spell check, but not necessarily like grammar check. And it, then exactly people would would send me emails or friends would say, you know, and I was like, look, this is this is a this is what it was when I wrote it, you know. I would I would try to get stuff up as soon as I can. It was my immediate impression of the movie. And unless right. I had put something in there that was just completely wrong uh, and 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 it was important to change it, we just let it fly. You know, right. Grammatical errors and spelling errors and stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, I yeah. So, I, I saw on Facebook that you don't you don't like grammar Nazis. I think you oh hate, you saw that huh? Yeah, you hate grammar Nazis worse than real Nazis. Apparently, At least real Nazis are, have are, have <laughs> some kind of ideology they're fighting for. Oh. Grammar Nazis are just assholes <laughs> who think they're smarter and better than you because they know how to spell the correct there 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 or two 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 or whatever. I yeah I hate them. Okay, I I, I get that. But I, I still yeah. I still think you should hate real Nazis more. Um oh or, I, I hate real Nazis, you know that. Yes. <laughs> I just I just think grammar Nazis are, are just as bad. Okay. It's it's hate in a different vein. Right, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Understandable. I, I think because you can relate to real Nazis over the <laughs> fact that they have No. Okay. They have a ideology that they believe in that they're willing to fight and die for. Well, th- yeah, they have a fucked up ideology. Well, they I'm, not, do. I'm not sure they they are willing to uh, die for. Well, they most may- of them are pussies. You are yeah, correct. Exactly. 
But um, when 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 they started getting outed in the last few days, man, did they, you see some they, of those videos? They were folding up like little babies, <laughs> crying. Did you see the guy who's wearing like a white? polo shirt like a trump shirt and actually takes it off and this guy follows him with a camera and it's like why why'd you take your shirt off and he was like i was just out here to have fun man they were gonna they were gonna they were gonna get me or it's hilarious he turns into the biggest <laughs> pussy you ever saw in your life right well i mean you know you find that you know if you uh call a bully on their bullshit uh, you know, most of the time they'll fold up like a deck of cards. I mean, granted, yeah. they're always the hardcore crazies that, uh, yeah, will clock you over the head with a club. But you know, that's, those are probably in the minority. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. They um, and then they're real pussies when you get them alone. Um, exactly. But a real, a real Nazi, a real fucking Nazi or neo Nazi. Neo, yeah. If you could, if you had to say one thing about them that was respectable, it would be they. They they believe what they believe. They have an ideology and they believe in it and they're willing to fight for it. Grammar Nazis are just fucktards who want to <laughs> look better than you. They're the scum of the earth. Well, some could be. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, you have really got a, a burr under your saddle over that. Okay, I, I get it. Uh, I just, because, you know, I've been guilty of being a grammar Nazi. In the past, I mean, I, I have to admit it, but, uh, you know, I, of course, now I'm a little more mm, mellow about it. I think if somebody is able to get their point across, and it's well stated, if they get a few, uh, if they make a few spelling mistakes, I'm not going to go after them on that, because I think right. it's, it's uh, what they're trying to say is more important than their ability to, you know, convey it perfectly correct okay and it's 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 not only elitist and you know uh, pedantic and 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 smug but it's also dismissive of younger people because younger people Mm. have grown up in a world where we text and we tweet and we do all these things where grammar and spelling just isn't that important getting your getting your point across is right so to judge someone on that, especially a younger person, is just shitty in my opinion. You just you okay. think you're you think you're smarter than someone else and you're not. You're just smarter about stuff that doesn't fucking matter anymore. Right. You're, it's people who are holding on to their last little bit of power that they have. Right. Like a fucking teacher that should retire. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It's like if you're if you're going to debate with someone don't do an ad hominem attack and say, oh, you don't know how to spell words shit. Go after their ideas, not their means of, of conveying it if you disagree. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I get yeah, that. Yeah. That, you know, that that's really what I'm saying, too, is that most of the times when you see a grammar Nazi mm -hmm. go after someone on Facebook or wherever, they're not doing anything to further the conversation they're completely ignoring the person's ideas and thoughts and, and reducing them to someone who supposedly isn't intelligent and thinking just because they don't know which version of their to use. Right. Because, you know, uh, in, in that regard, an ad hominem attack is, is, is a fallacious argument and does nothing to uh, forward the conversation. You are using some big words, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't know. I've heard the term ad hominem, but I don't know what that means. But, well, it just means attacking the person. 
you know. Uh, oh, to, uh-huh. uh, I think uh, literally it means to 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 the man or uh, or, or about mm-hmm. the man. Yeah, if you're attacking a person instead of their ideas, then then you're committing a, a logical fallacy, and you've actually lost the argument by going down that road. Gotcha. Yeah. And then what's fallacious mean? Untrue, a, a falsehood. Oh, oh yeah, okay, it's a, it's cool. A fa- it's a false argument, you know. Uh, attack- See, kids, we're learning some words. <laughs> I, hey. Those are two words I've heard, but I really didn't know what they meant off the top of my head. That comes from uh, listening to Matt Dillahunty all the time. He's... Man, he he knows how to debate in in the the Socratic style, where he's ah. he, he knows all of the all of the logical fallacies that are out there. Oh my God, yeah, you know the the straw man fallacy and the well, you name it. There's like you know there there's a dozen of them. You know, hmm. the, if somebody uses this type of argument with you. They're committing a logical fallacy, and they are not rational at that point. Right. Yeah. And he's arguing mainly with religious people, so yes. There is, there... <laughs> so there's a lot of irrationality involved. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. A lot of irrationality involved, indeed. Yep. So. So. Um. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Another slope, folks. Sorry. Yeah. Damn. We're we're like 39 minutes in, and we haven't. I, we've barely talked about Twin Peaks. Well, we yeah, talk, we talked a little bit. Okay. We did. We should we should get to the the part 14 recap. Yes. Let's do it. Shall we, we can start? Play some music right here and hell yeah. Bong, bong, bong. <laughs> we are like the dreamer. <laughs> part 14 of yeah. Twin Peaks. <laughs> That's it. Yes, Twin Peaks part 14. Okay. So we kick it off? Yeah. All right, it starts off. With Gordon making a phone call, he's at the hotel in Buckhorn, South Dakota. He's returning. Yes, <laughs> Buckhorn. He's returning Sheriff Truman's call, and Lucy answers the phone. And Gordon is surprised that Lucy is still there. And Lucy goes off on a tangent talking about her and Andy taking a trip to Bora Bora and other places, and blah blah blah. Finally, she transfers the phone call to Sheriff Truman, and so <laughs> Gordon is confused. By Sheriff Truman, so Truman has to explain that he is Frank Truman, and his brother Harry is sick. Uh, and, of course, he doesn't give any explanation as to in what way Harry is sick, but, oh, well, right. that, that's just something we're probably never going to find out. So, anyway... um Sheriff Truman tells Gordon that Hawk found something. Missing pages from Laura Palmer's diary that could indicate two Coopers. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So Gordon says that he can't comment about that, but he really appreciates it. (laughs) All the best to you and all the best to Harry. (laughs) And that's the end of the phone conversation. (laughs) Cut to the next scene. Albert uh, in the same hotel in uh, Buckhorn, South Dakota, and he's got a bunch of big machines behind him. Where did he get those <laughs> fabulous toys? Um, so, <laughs> Albert is briefing Tammy, and he tells her, Case number one, this started the whole thing. In 1975, two young field agents investigate a murder in Olympia, Washington. He said they arrive at a motel to arrest a suspect named Lois Duffy. They hear a gunshot outside her room and kick the door in. 
They find two women inside, one on the floor dying from a bullet wound to the abdomen. The other holds a gun, which she drops as she backs away when they enter. They recognize the wounded woman as Lois Duffy. She speaks her last words to them. I'm like the blue rose, she says. She smiles, then dies, then disappears before their eyes. Ooh, that rhymes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The other woman screaming in the corner, they now notice is also Lois Duffy. By the way, Lois Duffy did not have a twin sister, Albert says. (laughs) Then, while awaiting trial for a murder she she swore she didn't commit, This Lois hangs herself. Those two arresting officers were Gordon Cole and Philip Jeffries. Ooh. Mm. Okay, so we get some backstory on Gordon and Philip there. Yeah. So um, then Albert says to Tammy, Now, what's the one question you should ask me? And then Tammy replies, What's the significance of the blue rose? Then Albert says, And the answer? Tammy says, Blue rose does not occur in nature. It's not a natural thing. The dying woman was not natural. Conjured. What's the word? A tulpa. And Albert says, Good. So I'm like Tulpa, and uh, so I had to look that up. <laughs> and, uh, yep, get, yeah, I read on it about I read about it online as well. Okay, did you get a definition? I have one here. If you don't, yeah, well, uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, it says the concept of tulpas is theoretical in nature and originates from Tibetan mythology. Uh, David Lynch, I'm sure, threw that in there. Um, yeah, he's it says really into Tibetan. <laughs> stuff right and he says where tulpas are described as extra bodies that were created from one person's mind in order to travel to spiritual realms uh there were several Mm. other uh definitions but that one kind of struck me as being pretty good especially with the uh, tibetan tie-in there right the way that i read it it's like they are they are they are entities that are conjured uh-huh. by a person that right. are you know a, that a person creates and thinks up and then wills into existence mm-hmm. and they're not like an imaginary friend they're a <laughs> real thing right but tulpas don't necessarily uh aren't necessarily twins it's just that in twin peaks they are in the in the in the series twin peaks they are oh, okay yeah kind of i uh, yeah almost yeah or, Ident- identical twins of sorts right doppelgangers yes doppelgangers is the the operative word to be sure yes. yeah so um all right so at the end of that com- conversation between albert and tammy gordon enters the room and says with a thumbs up coffee time and and then he also says albert i think i've got it and diane's on her way um (laughs) so just then a jerkily moving window washer outside makes squeaking noises that hurts gordon's ears and of course he's adjusting his uh hearing aid because that never gets old that's funny every time (laughs) now (sighs) here's the question now before diane shows up does this always kind of happen some weird sound or i just wondered Mm, if if there was an interesting question yeah maybe not maybe anyway at that moment diane enters the room sits down lights a cigarette and says deputy diane reporting 
Um, <laughs> so Gordon says to her, Diane, that last night you saw Cooper, did he by any chance mention Major Garland Briggs? And she says she doesn't want to talk about that night. And, of course, he then says, uh, I understand. Um then he says, but all I want to know is, did he mention Major Briggs? And Diane slowly says, fuck you, Gordon. Yes. <laughs> yes, he he did. So um, then Albert gets into the conversation, says, Diane, as you know, we've been investigating an old case of Cooper's involving Major Briggs. Briggs died in a fire at his government facility 25 years ago, we thought. Turns out he died a few days ago here in Buckhorn. And we found this in his stomach, and he holds up a little plastic bag with the ring that they found. And he tells her, the ring was inscribed, to Dougie with love, Janie E. At that moment, Diane appears confused and shocked. And she says that her half-sister is named Jane, and she's married to a man named Douglas Jones, but everybody calls him Dougie. And her sister's nickname is Janie E., and she also says that and the last she heard they lived in las vegas she also said that they are estranged and to quote her i hate her so i haven't talked to her in years so so okay go ahead so yeah i you know sometimes when i watch something a lot of times when i watch something i'm gullible and i just take the information that is given Mm -hmm. and and take it at face value. It wasn't until I kind of got online and read some stuff that some other people had written where they re- they reminded me that, you know, just a couple episodes ago, Diane got the text about have they asked about Las Vegas yet? Right. So so it's like this person was saying, you know, is she lying? Is this is she fully expected to ask her about all of this because uh-huh. Of what's good, you know, because so there's their idea was that um, doppelganger, bad Cooper, is trying to draw the FBI to Vegas. Oh, <laughs> hmm. Okay, yeah, that's possibility. I yeah. um, yeah, my fan theory I was starting to work on was that um, she might actually not be estranged from her sister. They may actually be close, and doppelganger is threatening to harm Janie E. if Diane does not help him in some way. And maybe that's why she's been in communication with him. But that's, I'm still, that's still kind of... Percolating? Yeah, still percolating. (laughs) I don't know if that's correct or not. It's just something that after seeing that scene, I've, I feel like, because she seemed really disturbed by the fact that, uh, you know, they had all this information about Janie right. and Dougie. Yeah. But she also seemed disturbed. Well, and so your fan theory may hold some water because she also seemed disturbed when she met Cooper in prison or the bad Cooper in prison. But you're right. If the bad if bad Cooper has something over her, mm-hmm. then that could be her motivation for playing both sides here. Right. Right. I mean, she she's you know, she's not a very willing participant as as we thought or as evil as we thought. And maybe she tries to dull the pain by smoking a lot and and drinking a lot of vodka. Like one of the other characters in the show. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Shall we continue? Yeah. 
Okay, so... Um, Gold calls the FBI in Las Vegas. Right. Gordon instructs Tammy to get the Las Vegas office on the line. He tells the officer there, Special Agent Randall Headley, that he wants everything you got or can find on Mr. and Mrs. Douglas Jones of your fair city. Um, <laughs> these people are wanted in connection with the double murder and may be armed and dangerous. Put caution in the shotgun seat. Um, so... So, um, uh, Special Agent Headley says, there's 23 Douglas Joneses in the greater metro area. I guess he's already off the phone with uh, Gordon uh, after that. Right. And right. The, the other officer, I guess, is uh, Agent uh, Wilson, says, how are we going to find the right one? And, of course, the first guy goes, Wilson, how many times have I told you this is what we do in the FBI? <laughs> it was a little over the top, but I guess intentionally so, because... I'm sure Lynch was laughing his ass off. Okay. Yeah, I guess it was so, you know, I was just like, oh, okay, he's going to yell for no reason, whatever. Right. I guess that's supposed to be funny. I guess. Or, or, or maybe Wilson has just been a dumbass for so long and finally Headley right. sn- snapped. So Right. Um, yeah. uh, maybe, you know, just like if you had to put up with Dougie Jones for that long. <laughs> so... <laughs> Anyway, um, after Gordon gets off the phone, he turns to Diane and says, Thank you, Diane. Diane says, Yeah, okay. And then she slowly leaves the room. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so then um, Gordon turns to Albert and Tammy, and he says, Before I came up, I was on the phone with Sheriff Truman in Twin Peaks. He told me they're onto something from Laura Palmer's diary indicating two Coopers. And last night, I had another Monica Bellucci dream. (laughs) Okay, first off, um, I guess Gordon has some... uh, He he must often have Monica Bellucci dreams, who is an Italian model and actress... So right. I guess he has. Wasn't there one earlier in an earlier episode? Didn't he mention her? I felt like he mentioned her earlier in a different episode, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, maybe, but maybe I we I didn't snap to uh, what he was talking about. I don't know. Possibly, yeah. I, I looked her, of course, I looked her up online because I was like, is that a real person or is that a character or, and, you know, and of course it is a real person and she played herself. Yep. Um, but it just seemed vaguely familiar. Mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe uh, I met her tulpa somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's very likely. Yeah, could be. Right. So anyway, Gordon uh, talks about the dream he had, his Monica Bellucci dream, and it was not and sexual. This okay. is like, um, this is so, this is, this episode I really liked a lot. I, you know, oh. this was getting back to the good old Twin Peaks that we know and love. Right. And, uh, you know, it was interesting up until this point, but now it really gets fun and yes. Lynchian and cool and crazy. So I, you know, definitely compared to uh, last week's episode, this uh, episode is amazing. Yes, it restores all faith in the series. <laughs> yes. So he uh, relays his dream. He says, I was in Paris on a case. Monica called and asked me to meet her at a certain cafe. She said she needed to talk to me. When we met at the cafe, Cooper was there, but I couldn't see his face. Monica was very pleasant. She had brought friends. We all had coffee. And then she said the ancient phrase. The ancient phrase. We're like the dreamer who dreams and then lives inside the dream. Ooh. I told her I understood. And then she said... 
But who is the dreamer? Who is the dreamer? Whoa. Woo, fun stuff. I'm telling you. So Gordon says, a very powerful, uneasy feeling came over me. Uh, Monica looked past me and indicated to me to look back at something that was happening there. I turned and looked. I saw myself. I saw myself from long ago in the old Philadelphia offices, listening to Cooper tell me he was worried about a dream he had. And then, of course, they cut to a scene from, I guess it's Fire Walk With Me. From Fire Walk With Me, yeah. Yeah, which is where, amazing. Yeah, where Philip Jeffries appears, who is played by David Bowie, looking quite uh, cool um, and strange. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the young Cooper, you know, in the flashback, uh, says, Gordon, it's 10, 10 a.m. on February 16th. I was worried about today because of the dream I told you about. Yes. And uh, Gordon in the present uh, is still talking about his dream. And that was the day that Philip Jeffries appeared and didn't appear. So going back <laughs> to the flashback, young Gordon says, Cooper, meet the long lost Philip Jeffries. You may have heard of him from the Academy. And then Gordon in the present uh, relaying the story says, and while Jeffries was apparently there, he raised his arm and pointed at Cooper and asked me, and here's Philip Jeffries, who do you think that is there? That was a horrible impersonation of Bowie as a Southern that's, guy. But that's exactly <laughs> the way he said it. <laughs> it, it is, but it yeah. pretty bad. Now, who do you think that is, is there? there? <laughs> right. Yeah, I love it because, you know, of course, Bowie's British. And uh, for some reason, British people can do Southern American accents more easily than others. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. And and so it's funny to me because you just can't imagine being a British person trying to do an American accent that really doesn't have a particular sound to it like a Southern accent does. Right. You know, so I don't even know how a British person would go about doing an American accent, especially one that was, I don't know what, know what the word would be for it, but that was plain or whatever, you know, that just right. sounded like a, you know, like a regular American. Um, so it's cool when, when I remember when I saw the movie and Bowie did that, I was like, well, what else is he going to do? British people, <laughs> he can't be British. He's supposed to be in the FBI. He's going to do a Southern accent. <laughs> right, right. And he did. Uh, yeah, it's always funny when uh, it used to be you could always tell a British actor playing an American because they'd always take on a real kind of a nasally voice in an attempt to uh, mimic an American accent. Right. You know? Yeah, just a straight, you know, not a Southern or any particular accent at all. Just trying, you know, they they can always kind of talk. No, I can't even do it. It's just, right. It's almost like, uh, you know, sometimes African-American people try to imitate a white person and it's almost that same kind of oh, nasally right. sound, yeah. you know? Yes, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's just it's just like when uh, when uh, Andrew Lincoln, who's Australian, I believe, does uh, plays the character he plays. And when he calls Carl, it's not Carl. It's Coral. <laughs> which, right. which isn't really is cool. how an American would say it, but no, even we've a just Southern American, used to it right, right, that. yeah, yeah, even a Southern American wouldn't say Carl Coral, um, right? Coral. <laughs> but you know, you have to give him uh, some kudos if you had not seen Andrew Lincoln, you know, just giving an interview as himself, you would never know that Andrew Lincoln was uh, uh, English. Is he English? Uh, I guess, yeah. 
I think so. I can't. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty yeah, sure it, he is. Yeah. He's not Australian or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. He's English. I think you're right. Yeah. 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 I think it's really interesting. I always love when you watch The Talking Dead and they have an actor on there who you haven't seen before. Right. And, and all of a sudden there's this accent and you're like, ah, they do a really good American because I couldn't have guessed that they were uh, from somewhere else. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm and, sorry. And, and there's I, qu- and there's quite a few English actors on The Walking Dead. And it's just, oh, yeah. Heck and, yeah. And they do great jobs. Of, yeah. So anyway, okay. So getting, Bruce getting, Lope, sorry. Get it? Yeah, I know. Getting back to uh, the episode. So after uh, he, uh, he recalls Philip Jeffries saying, "Who do you think that is there?" Pointing to Cooper, Gordon in the presence says, "Damn, I hadn't remembered that." Yeah. Now this is really something interesting to think about. Albert agrees. He says, "Yes, I'm beginning to remember that too." So yeah, some cool, <laughs> cool shit is going down. Yeah. All right, so then we cut back to uh, the Twin Peaks Police Department. Andy is lining up lunchboxes on the conference room table. Hawk is organizing backpacks. Bobby enters with coffee and sandwich orders, probably from Norma's. Um, Then (laughs) Truman... Double R to go. Right, and uh, he's, he's mentioning here's a... Uh, uh, roast beef and cheese, and here's just a, a cheese sandwich. And Hawk goes, who ordered the ch- just cheese? And Andy goes, I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not an important uh, detail, but I just thought it was kind of funny. Of course, that's Andy fun. ordered just the cheese sandwich. Right. Uh, so anyway, um, at that moment, uh, Sheriff Truman and Deputy Chad enter. Truman uh, is telling Chad as they're walking in, it's all old business from long before your time. Um, so Chad asks where they are going. At that very second, Hawk pulls a gun out and points it at Chad and says, up the mountain. At that same second, Truman slaps the cuffs onto Chad. And then Truman says, and you are under arrest, Chad. Chad goes, what the fuck? What's this all about? Truman <laughs> says, I think you know. Andy, Bobby, take him downstairs. And Chad goes, you're making a big mistake. <laughs> and Truman's like, you made the mistake, Chad. We've been watching you for months. Take his badge, too, and lock him up. And uh, mm-hmm. they take him out, and Hawk says, there's your roast beef and cheese. <laughs> End of scene. That was a, that was a statement about his uh, um, of Sheriff Truman's manliness, because he had a roast beef and cheese. Ah, okay. I don't know. <laughs> ah, yeah. Yeah. That was his way of saying, I'm... I really respect you. No, it, it means nothing. <laughs> it means absolutely nothing. Right, and then and then Sheriff Truman thumbs the sandwich. I I don't know why, but thumbs it. <laughs> he just kind of taps his thumb on the say he picks it up and he taps his thumb on it. Doesn't mean hmm. anything. I, for some reason, it just looked weird. Uh, okay, I'm gonna edit that out. All right, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we cut to the next scene. A blue. <sighs> Twin Peaks PD SUV drives down a wooded road and comes to a stop near a tight grouping of Douglas fir trees. Hawk, Andy, Truman, and Bobby get out and begin unloading and putting on backpacks and walking into the woods, Bobby leading the way. Yeah, was this scene amazing? Huh? Yeah, yeah, electricity crackling. Yeah, electricity hums. Yeah, we're we're getting into an amazing, amazing scene here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, and what did you? What were you just asking? Uh, 
I don't know what uh, I was just asking. <laughs> I was right, just saying okay. that, yes, what an amazing scene this was turning into. Okay. Yeah. So as they're walking, Bobby um, tells them, this used to be the road where we're walking. My dad's listening post station was right through there. Nothing left of it now. Took everything away. Andy goes, what all did your father do up here, Bobby? That's a damn good impersonation of Andy, too. You're really good at at mimicking things. Well, thank you. All right. So Bobby says, uh, says, I don't know. It was all top secret. Took me inside a few times when I was little, but all I remember is lots and lots of machines. He would take me here, though. As they get to this place, he leads them to Jack Rabbit Palace, a large old stump of an ancient tree. And he says, you know, we'd sit here and make up great tall tales. Um, so in a, at that second, Hawk says, 253 yards due east, and we have to put some soil in our pockets. Um, says Andy. Did Andy say that? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I could, Andy I could, reminds them. I couldn't tell who who had actually said that because it was kind of mm. a long shot of them. But anyway, yeah. So two fifty three, which is interesting because they're going. They're, they need to be there at two fifty three p.m. Also, right, right. So that's that's kind of interesting. So then Truman says, "Let's hope this isn't one of your father's tall tales." So <laughs> uh, they walk through the woods. Hawk is now leading to a misty clearing where they find a naked woman lying. It's the. <laughs> Uh huh. Go ahead. <laughs> I wrote Lynchian smoky area. <laughs> yes, really. <laughs> they had the uh, they had the fog machine on on overtime that that day. Yeah. Right. So they find a naked woman lying. It's the croaking, chattering woman with her eyes skinned over that we have seen before. In the credits, it says the character's name is Nato. Right. Um, I call her Asian eyeless woman. Okay. Asian eyeless woman is good. Of course, (laughs) how could you tell she's Asian if her eyes are skinned over? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Okay. Well, you can can tell from her tits. Uh, But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It got racist, then it got sexist. (laughs) Yeah. And her her very brown nipples. Okay, but... Anyway, I'm sorry. I apologize to our <laughs> listeners out there. So, anyway, Andy holds. Uh, she's laying on the ground, kind of doing her croaking sound, and you know, implo- looks like she's asking for help in her own way. So, Andy holds her hand to comfort her. There's a strange stone or or rough metal cauldron filled with a gold-colored liquid nearby. Yeah, I couldn't quite. I didn't go back and look. All, all I could see was it looked it looked like there was some kind of symbol in it, but I couldn't tell what it was supposed to be. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was just streakiness in the gold the gold liquid, but I and I, it, I don't it know. Could be- could have been, yeah. I didn't really look at it that closely. I saw them kind of pan past it. I, I was, and it was. I was like, I should go back and really look at that. But I was, you know, I was just watching the scene unfold mm-hmm. because it was, you know, so interesting. Oh yeah, so so Lynchian. It was, yeah. It was this was just the oh oh, oh my god. Uh, mm-hmm. so, all right. So at that at that moment, Truman says. It's 2.53, fellas, and right at that time, a whooshing sound begins, and a vortex opens up above them. They all look up into it, 
And then, after a few moments, Andy disappears. In an instant, he is transported to a colorless room where the walls seem to be made of tree trunks and the floor of wood. He is seated on a chair hewn out of what looks to be a stump. There's a Tiffany lamp nearby. Another stump chair is across the room from his. The giant walks into frame and sits in it. Andy, we know it's going to be the giant. <laughs> yes, because, yeah, it looks like him. And then and, Andy silently stares at him. The giant speaks, I am the fireman. And then he raises his right hand. And then a slightly curved, dark candle-shaped object with a chunky star-shaped base appears in Andy's hands. <laughs> Andy silently stares at it. I wrote, um... I thought it was interesting when the when the the giant says I am the fireman and then he puts his hand up almost like an innate like the um, Native Americans used to do in movies when they would say how right you know, it was the, that it wasn't a wave <laughs> it wasn't him saying uh-huh. hi it was just like he raised his hand but um you uh-huh. know almost in like what what we think of as a friendly gesture right and then um then I wrote Andy suddenly has smoke object. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's that's accurate. I guess putting up his hand kind of conjured the smoke object, if you want to right, call it yeah, that. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but also very, very unthreatening. There was, you know, it's right. weird there, but it's not scary there. No, it's, yeah, it's very, it's almost compassionate look on the yeah. giant's face. So then Andy is staring at the smoke object. Smoke forms around Andy and then whooshes up to reveal ornate round skylights in the ceiling. Andy looks up into the skylight above him. In it he sees visions of first the ghostly alien creature that appeared in the glass box in New York and killed the boy and girl, Tracy and Sam. So from the credits, this creature was known as the Experiment. Experiment, yes. Yes. And uh, then we see the spewing figure in the A-bomb blast with a bob globe coming out of it, which I think is is also the Experiment as well. Um, Oh, possibly that is what it's supposed to be. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. So then it says, and then he sees uh, the gas station slash convenience store with uh, flashing lights and smoke and the um, woodsman uh, scuttling around the convenience store. And then we see, he sees a close-up of the got a light woodsman. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to um, uh, power, power lines. Yes, power lines crackling. And yeah. then uh, a woman running and screaming uh, which is a scene from, I believe, part one, which is never fully explained. I think that isn't that scene in the original series or or in Fire Walk with Me. I, f- I th- maybe I'm just misremembering, but it I thought it was from somewhere earlier in the series somewhere. Well, I think there it may be a callback, but I know that they they showed a woman running and screaming, screaming and one of the first couple of episodes around the principal Hastings storyline when it you know he's first arrested hmm okay yeah it but, just reminded me i mm-hmm. i think there's a scene in either fire walk with me or one of the first episodes of the series outside the school where some girl is running like that but uh, you know I, I i could be totally wrong I, but yeah i saw that scene and i'm like i, I know we've seen that scene it before mm mm-hmm. mhm 
but I just can't remember exactly where. Right. Well, that particular scene was definitely from like episode one or two of this season. Okay, maybe that's where I saw it then. Okay, but but like, but I think what you're thinking, yeah, it it may be very similar to some other scene from the original series or from Firewalk with Me. I'm not sure about that. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. So Andy is still looking up into the skylight. Then he sees uh, the red curtains, which are very you know characteristic of the Black Lodge. And then he's sees Laura Palmer's picture flanked. By two angels. Uh, yeah. And then it cuts to an image of the naked... Asian eyeless woman. Asian eyeless woman uh, <laughs> lying on the forest floor. Then we see jittery images of Good Cooper superimposed over the doppelganger's image. and then Two Coopers. <laughs> two Coopers. And then them side by side. Then it cuts to an image of a telephone with one light blinking. Then a jittery image of Andy slowly pulling and pushing Lucy forward in the Twin Peaks Police Department hallway. Then he sees an image of himself holding the hand of the skin-eyed woman. Um, Then he sees the telephone pole with a number six on it from the Fat Trout Trailer Park. Yes. Uh, And I believe that's all he sees. And then the fireman slash giant looks at Andy as smoke pulls into the dark candle. The candle and its base quickly disappear, and Andy stares back at the giant. Then... Andy quickly disappears. Yes. Right. So, <laughs> wow, what an amazing scene. Oh. Such imagery. Wow, that's, yeah, that's and, classic, yeah. classic Twin Peaks uh, type stuff. Yeah. I And then the next scene, and then I, right. I want to take a second to pause and reflect. Okay, all right. So we cut to back to Jackrabbit Palace, the big ancient stump where multiple ghostly images of Bobby, Hawk, and Truman randomly walk around and then come together into their normal selves. They seem confused. Andy fades in, carrying the naked, skin-eyed woman, saying, We need to get her down the mountain. She's very important, and there are people who want her dead. She's fine physically. We need to put her in a cell where she'll be safe. And uh, so Truman, who's... uh huh. And then he look- says, "Don't tell anybody about this." Right. Yeah, I was about to say Truman's Truman looking very confused says, "Okay." Then you're right. Yeah, he says, "Don't tell anybody about Sorry. this." Then okay. uh, Andy begins walking back to the vehicle. Bobby confusedly follows. Truman says to Hawk, "What happened to us back there?" Hawk says, "I don't know something, but I don't remember a thing." Truman says, "Same with me." I just loved the. The thing with Andy, I mean, Andy's been on this show from the very beginning, and he fucking is a real minor character. And right, you know, we, we've talked about his scenes this year in the in the return. Mm-hmm. The thing with him and Lucy buying the chair and all that shit just you know drives me crazy. Right, but I was like, the minute Andy went to the to the place where the the giant is, um, where the fireman is, right, I was. Uh, and then that whole scene and then the scene after and when Andy takes, you know, this this guy who for 25 years we've seen as a little crybaby pussy do nothing. Right. Boom. Takes charge. I just love that. It's like I wrote. I love this. This is why I love Lynch. So frustrated with Andy's boring goofiness. Mm-hmm. But then he has this amazing scene we've waited 25 years for. And he's perfection. <laughs> 
Like right. his whole fucking career, this whole character has built up to this one moment. Right. Wow. He, yeah, he's a huge hero at this point. And yeah. the, the only thing from the original series that comes close is when he stepped up and told Lucy that he says he doesn't care who the father of her baby is. He wants to marry her. No right, matter, yeah. No matter what. That was the only thing that even comes close to what he did close. in yeah. this episode. And that was personal right. life. This was really right. as a police officer, you know, well, or a sheriff's officer. Right, right. Good point. Absolutely. Yeah, I just love that. I'm like, wow, this guy has sat around and played this goofy character for 25 years, <laughs> and and he gets to have this scene. And, you know, I was just like, oh, this is why I love Lynch. Yeah. You know, Lynch makes you feel like he's – He's he's had this character in this show and for 25 years has been waiting to do this scene. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's, so, it's definitely a, a redemption of that character, to be sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it reminded me that, uh, you know, I love Andy and I and the, uh, during the first season of the original show, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of funny and, and sweet that he cried when they were at murder scenes and stuff. And right. he was just a sweet, kind, kind of quiet, you know, shy guy that you're like, oh, he's totally in the wrong job. <laughs> but Right. You know, yeah. yeah, this redemption was me. Uh, that scene, uh, you know, it's like, this is why I love the show. Yeah, I, agreed. I, I was very happy to see that, yeah, it was it was Andy who, yeah. who carried this, yes, literally yeah. and, and figuratively. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the minute he pops in, the one, is the one who disappears, and then you're in the, it cuts to the black and white room where you know the the giant, although they call him something else, and well, I think he's called the fireman now. But yes. you know, he cuts to that room, and I was just like, oh, because yeah, Andy also has never had any involvement with any of the the this kind of stuff, the Black Lodge stuff, really. So I was like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. exciting that he got that it's Andy. I was super super excited for that. Right. And it's probably because he is pure of heart. No. Yes. I, yeah, or something. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I mean, I think could be. you're right. If if it had been any one other one of those four characters, it wouldn't have felt as uh amazing, you know. Yes. I mean, I like I like Bobby, but if it had been Bobby, it would have been a completely different feel. And of course, Sheriff Truman and and um Hawk are are much more manly and you know it, right it would it just would have been a completely different thing yeah you know so um, three cheers for uh, uh, Lynch seeing to have Andy do this and or yeah. Mar- Mark Frost whoever made this decision yeah <laughs> but it was beautiful yeah and beautiful. cheers to Harry Goaz for playing this character and you know oh yeah. Playing it so well for so long that even when they completely turned his character about face, mm-hmm. he pulled it off amazingly. Right. Oh, yeah. Now now if we could just get a Lucy redemption. Yeah, we need one badly. <laughs> we need one badly. That's true. Uh, right. Okay. <laughs> so shall we move on to the next scene? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So back at the Twin Peaks Police Department, Lucy has put pajamas and a robe on NATO. The Asian eyeless woman. Yes, the Asian eyeless woman in one of the, their cells. Lucy tells Andy 
that they were there, that the pajamas had been there since a dog got lost in the building. And apparently Lucy and Andy might have had some romantic in- interlude back in those days. Oh, maybe that's it. what they were. I was like, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they they leave NATO in the cell and Chad is in a nearby cell and yells at them, Idiots, you're a joke, Andy. You're no kind of cop. And... Uh, which, you know, doesn't ring as true as it might have had the p- previous right. scene not happened. Because right, yeah. he was some kind of cop in, in that scene. Yeah, that was great, too. Right. So at that moment, we see a weird zombie-looking drunk in one of the adjoining cells uh, mimics Chad. And says, you're no kind of cop. And <laughs> Andy turns to Chad and says, you're a very bad person, Chad. Give good <laughs> policemen a bad name. And the drunk mimics him. Give our guys place whatever. And so anyway, Lucy and uh, Andy leave. The uh, Asian eyes woman, Nato, starts quietly chattering. And uh, the drunk humorously starts mimicking her. So they're chattering <laughs> back and forth, and it's kind of weird. And Chaz says, shut the fuck up, drunk. <laughs> and the drunk mimics, mimics shut the fuck up. Chattering. <laughs> then the chattering back and forth continues between Nato and the drunk. And then even Chad starts joining in, and then he screams, God damn it, I said shut up. And then the <laughs> drunk course says, shut up. <laughs> what the fuck is it- wrong with you, says Chad. It's fucking nuthouse. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, it was it was kind of funny, you know. And then the drunk drools blood onto his cell floor, and the chat, right. and then the chattering back and forth continues. End of scene. I um, of course, there's a scene towards the end. Well, I think there's a scene towards the end of the show where where we're made to think that possibly the dude in the jail cell is Billy who Audrey has talked about, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second, I know. Right, because um, there are lines that's true that kind of make you think that that's a possibility yeah, later right. on. Right. Uh-huh. And then someone online wrote uh, that, um, and I didn't snap to this either, that the drunk, beat-up guy mimics things like Dougie does. Which oh. I was like, huh, that's interesting. Well, yeah, I guess that's, yeah, that's <laughs> that's true. That is true. Okay, yeah, all right, well. Hmm, something to think about. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, so on to the next scene, which... Oh, wow. Pretty interesting. Just, Maybe it's yeah. slightly contrived, but still interesting. Uh, okay. To me, it was amazing. To me, this scene was like, we'd already had this amazing scene with Andy. Right. And then we get another amazing scene. I was like, oh, it's, it's um, an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, and, if, and finally somewhat of a uh, a reveal as well at the end. Um, right, yeah. So anyway, um, out back on the loading dock of the Great Northern Hotel, James— now, How did you know they were at the Great Northern? Because they had patches on their, their uniforms. I thought they had patches that said security, but I read online somebody said—I think I was reading a recap of the episode where they said they're, uh, that James works at the Great Northern, and I'm like— Wow, I didn't snap to that. Anyway, I right. was just like... <laughs> well, the, yeah, the, the patches on their uniforms say Great Northern Hotel Security. Ah, okay. Yeah, and then... I didn't look that closely. Sorry to well, interrupt. No, that's fine. And then later on, you know, it's obviously revealed that he's at the Great Northern in the in the uh, boiler room or whatever. But anyway, on the back... Uh, out back on the loading dock of the Great Northern Hotel, James Hurley is a security guard on break talking with his cockney co-worker, Freddie who is wearing a green glove on his right hand, seemingly 
superhumanly crushing walnuts with it. James, <laughs> by the way, uses a nutcracker. Um, <laughs> James says they have one more delivery, and then it's hit the roadhouse. Freddie says, who's playing? Or who's playing? <laughs> I'm not going to do his accent. So James <laughs> says, I don't know. Freddie says, you want to see if Renee will be there? Ooh, Renee. We remember Renee. She was swooning over uh, James singing uh, on a previous episode. She was also there, I think, on that first episode when James comes into the the bang bang with um, and he's with Freddie because trust me, I remember when a cute boy comes ah, on screen. Okay. So yeah, they were there in one of the first episodes, first or second episode when they go to the roadhouse. So yeah. Anyway. So anyway, Freddie says, "You want to see if Renee will be there." And James says, yeah, maybe. Uh, Freddie says, but she's married. I know. How old are you, Freddie? Freddie says, going on 23. James says, I remember being 23. It's my birthday today. Is that right? Well, happy birthday, Jimmy. This is a real occasion. And then James referring to uh, Freddie's glove. So you really can't take that thing off, huh? Nah, I can't. James says, I don't understand. Freddie says, it's a part of me. Doctors tried to take it off once and I started bleeding. Uh, so James asked him, where'd you get it? Uh, Freddy replies, I'm not supposed to tell. Oh, it's my birthday, Freddy. You gotta tell me. Come on, I'm not gonna tell anybody. Eh, you ain't gonna believe me anyway. So you may as well tell me, Freddy. Come on, tell me the story. So Freddy tells him the story. Well, I told the doctor, I uh, guess I can tell you. And seeing how it's your birthday... Yeah, sure. I was still living at home, see? That would be London Town, East End. About six months ago, after a night down at the pub with me mates, I'm walking home alone. I get this peculiar feeling as I turn down this alley I used as a shortcut. It strikes me that I'm wasting me life, Jimmy, hanging about, hitting the pub every night, drinking when I should be helping people. With this feeling in me on this particular night, I see in the alleyway a high stack of boxes and I jumped, you know, like for fun. I jumped onto this high stack of boxes, and all of a sudden, I was sucked up into the vortex of this massive tunnel in the air. Ooh. What? What's what going the? on, man? Holy shit, these damn vortexes are everywhere. They're everywhere. <laughs> oh, so I says, love this story yeah, so much. I know. And he says, next thing you know, I'm floating in thin air, way up somewhere, like a void, and this bloke there... The fireman's what he called himself. So, wow. <laughs> and he says to me, go to the hardware store near your flat, and there you will find a rack of green rubber gardening gloves. One package will already be open, with only a right-handed hand glove inside. Purchase that package and place the glove on your right hand. Your right hand will then possess the power of an enormous pile driver. <laughs> Poof, and I'm back in my room, waking up the next morning. So then he says that he goes to the hardware store, and it's exactly as the fireman said. He well, first he makes a joke about the Beatles' day in the life, but Oh, okay. that's right, that's right. <laughs> Woke up, got out of bed, dragged a comb across my head. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, thank you for reminding me. Yeah, that, that's, that's worth mentioning, definitely. It was funny. I thought that was funny. Right. So uh, anyway, he goes to the hardware store, and it's exactly like the fireman said. He tries to purchase the glove, but the clerk won't sell it, 
sell him an opened package. He's a real job's worth, as uh, Freddy says. Uh, <laughs> he puts his money on the counter and runs out. So Mr. Jobsworth gives chase and tackles Freddy. Uh, Freddy has already managed to get the glove on and in self-defense punches Jobsworth and probably uh, cracks his skull or breaks his neck or something. So he's uh, already have superhuman strength because of this uh, this glove, apparently. So then he <laughs> said, uh, after he punched Jobsworth, he says, In that moment, uh, I remembered something else the fireman told me. Once you've got the glove on, go to Twin Peaks, Washington, United States of America, and there you will find your destiny. <laughs> so here I am, Jimmy, on your birthday. Many happy returns. <laughs> Okay, that's the only English I was going to do. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so uh, let me just finish this out. Um, so James asked him, why do you think the fireman picked you? And so he said he asked the, the fireman, he said, why me? And then the fireman told him, why not you? And so <laughs> <laughs> he went to, to the airport to buy a ticket, and they told me I already had a ticket. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, whoa, okay, shit, some planning was going down here. Jesus. And then I think Freddie tells James, don't forget, we're supposed to check the furnace. So, uh, Well, I know that if you put a cute boy in a scene, I'm going to love it. But I just thought that <laughs> scene was so amazing and neat, and that story was so cool. Yeah. And another one of those things where Lynch, instead of showing us what happens, has a mm. character tells us tell us a story. Right. And, and it's just an amazing story that you see in your mind as he tells it. And, and Right. Uh, you know, you don't get that in other movies. Other directors would have done a whole montage of what he was talking about. Right. But, or e or even flashes uh, to what he's talking about. But not Lynch. Lynch trusts the actors to deliver the story. And this one didn't disappoint, in my opinion. I just, I was captivated. Right, right. And the, uh, you know, the, the whole proof is, is, is in the fact that he really does have superhuman strength when he's... Destroying right. these walnuts at at the beginning of the scene, so it's like something's going on with that hand. Right, yeah, I was that watching that. Glove. Of course, you're watching that at the beginning, going, "What the what the fuck is he doing?" You know, <laughs> right? Is, is yeah. he? You know, you know, I didn't even think he anything about superhuman strength. I was just like, I guess you'd have to have a glove on to do that, because otherwise it would just tear your fingers to pieces. But well, it was true. just so funny. <laughs> right. So. uh to, to round out this scene, James goes to check the furnaces and tells Freddy to wait for the delivery truck. James then goes into, looks like the basement of the Great Northern, down a hallway in the boiler room, and then he begins to hear the same sound that Ben and Beverly have been hearing in his offices, except it's only much, much louder down in the boiler room. Hmm. Yeah, see, because I didn't notice that they were um, security guards at the Great Northern. I I just I I loved it when he walked into that room into that building because it just looked really super cool and lynchy in that kind of old oh, yeah. beat up downstairs. I mean, could any could anything look more lynchian? Right. Uh, it looked like um, a, a scene from uh, uh, Eraserhead. Eraserhead, yeah. <laughs> and so then I heard the ringing and humming, and I thought, hmm, that's interesting. That's like the ringing and humming that um, 
uh, Ben and Ashley Judd, I can't remember her character's name, Be- Beverly. Have been, Beverly, have been hearing. Right. But it wasn't until I read online the next day about it that I was like, oh, that was supposed to be the basement of the Great Northern. That's interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, some crazy ass shit, man. We'll see what that means. We'll right. see if that means something. Oh, yeah. What what the hell is James going to find down there? Right. Jesus. Okay. So, can't wait. All right. You ready for the, the mind fucking scene? As if the Andy scene and the Freddy scene wasn't fucking enough to make this episode one of the best ones of this season. <laughs> then right. we have this scene. Yes. And it occurs at Elks Point Bar number nine. Number nine. Are there eight other shitty bars like this somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> must be. Must be. So Sarah Palmer is seen entering the Elks Point Bar number nine, and she goes to the bar and orders a Bloody Mary, and she sits at the bar a drunk patron who happens to have a Truck You t-shirt on tries <laughs> You <laughs> <laughs> tries to put the moves on her, and so she asks him to leave her alone, and uh, he is having none of it. He gets pissed, and he starts calling her a lesbo and a cunt eater, and etc. Yeah, yeah, a bull dyke, and then she tells him, "I'll eat you," <laughs> and he goes, "What?" <laughs> Or he's like, I'm going to kick your ass or something. So then she turns toward him. She pulls her face off, and there is a black void inside with electricity and a hand with a black finger and a giant mouth with big teeth. And she says, do you really want to fuck with this? (laughs) she, She or it... Puts her face back on and then bites a giant chunk out of the guy's throat. (laughs) (laughs) He falls to the ground sputtering and bleeding and Sarah seeming like herself again. She screams and then the bartender runs up and says, what the hell? What happened? And she tells him he he just fell over. I don't know. (laughs) And the bartender goes, what, with half his neck missing? <laughs> He's like, you have something to do with this. We'll see about this. And Sarah goes, yeah, sure is a mystery, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck, what is going on? So isn't there, wasn't there a scene er, in an earlier episode where somebody else took their face off? I feel like we saw that. I th- think but so. I, but I they, can't remember. But I think it was where we only saw the back of the person's head and we saw them take their face off and then the reaction of somebody else seeing what was inside. So we didn't actually see. I I don't know. I'm going to have to look back on that. Yeah. I I wish I I could recall, but I I, I can't. Yeah. I I feel like somebody – we saw that again because, to be honest, the CGI on it was not that great. No. Um, But but still – I think – fucking weird yeah yeah i think we saw somebody else do that as well at some point oh maybe it was bad cooper or 
I'm thinking you're right. That's where my mind is is kind of thinking, but I, I, I can't remember the context of it. I can't either. We'll have to look back and see if we can figure it out. And then okay. I thought when she took her face off and, and the, you see all that stuff, and then before she put her face back on, it looked like two little sh- darts shot out. But I don't oh. know if that was something, I if I know. saw that right or not. I don't know. I, I might have to rewatch that. And uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah, I don't know if that was something that was supposedly shocked him so that it was easier for her to, to bite him. But um, hmm. I felt like something shot out. Then she puts her face back on and then she bites him. Um, but yeah, that was that was like crazy. And then. Yeah, uh, oh, like... and then the other thing is after she bites him and then they go back to kind of reality where the bartender comes over, she doesn't have a drop of blood on her. Right. So, I mean, that gives her, you know, credibility that she had nothing to do with it, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then so. the bartender says, honey, call 911. We've got a dead one at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for remembering that. That's the cap. That's the that. capper, yeah. man. That's the capper. Uh, okay. There's a mystery. That is. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a deadpan way that she delivered that. Yep, sure is a mystery, huh? (laughs) She's another one that, you know, she's, I've, I've seen her in other stuff and she doesn't come across as a great actress usually, but she's usually not given a chance to do anything interesting other than be a harpy or, or an old drunk or something. Uh, you know, like I said, one, in one of our earlier episodes in the original series, all she did was cry and scream all the time a a lot. It drove me crazy. Yeah. But she, you know, in this, I was like, Oh, she finally gets a chance to have a good scene too. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't disappoint. She's amazing. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I loved um, it. Grace Zabriskie. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah. So, we now we know 100% that something very, very wrong has gone right. on with Sarah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, <sighs> Is there two Sarahs? Does she have an evil doppelganger? What's going on? Right. I was kind of postulating that maybe that was the case. Um, last episode when, you know, Hawk had gone to visit her at her house after she had that weird thing happen at the liquor store, but grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. But who, who knew it could be this fucking crazy? Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And God. then, um, I, someone mentioned online too, that like the first time we see her in this, in this series, she's yeah. watching a video where, uh, where a lion pounces on a puma or something <laughs> pretty much like she pounced on that guy. Oh yeah! Wow! <laughs> yeah! Yeah, it was a yeah, it was a lion on a zebra's back or something. I don't know what it was. I can't. Yeah, remember. yeah, but something w- like whatever that, the yeah. case. Yeah, and then that crazy boxing scene that kept repeating right. over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> crazy shit, man. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Now, ready for the next scene? Yep. Okay, we're at the Bang Bang Bar or the Roadhouse, whatever you want to call it. Two brunettes sit in a booth. Sophie, the older one played by Emily Stoffel, who is David Lynch's wife. Holy shit. Wow. Okay, so she's talking to a a younger woman, probably in her 20s, named Megan, uh, about hanging out at the Nut House. Well, Megan... Uh huh. Go ahead. Megan is played by Shane Lynch, which I didn't know if that was a relation to David or not. It's Kelly Lynch's daughter, whoever Kelly Lynch is. I think. It's oh, a famous she's an actress. actress. Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. but they're not related. I don't think. I don't think she's related to David Lynch. I believe you're correct. Yes. Yeah. That Interesting. is correct. Yeah. So the um, the older woman, um, Sophie, is 
yeah, talking to Megan and kind of in a smarmy kind of a way, uh, asking her about if she's hanging out at the nut house. And of course, Megan uh, denies it. Sophie says, are you getting high in there? And Megan says she she's getting high in her room, flying in her room. And so <laughs> Sophie says, "Don't go in that nut place." Then she changes the subject. She says, "Nice sweater. Where did you lift that?" Of course. Then Megan admits uh, it's Paula's. Then Sophie <laughs> says, "It's nice." With a sneer. <laughs> then it starts getting interesting, because then Sophie asks her, have you seen Billy? And Megan says, no, not for a couple of days. And she says, I heard you were the last person to see Billy. So then Megan relays this story. It was so fucking scary. He was in the kitchen with me and my mom. I think my uncle was there. I'm not sure. I don't know why she brings up her uncle. She does it right. twice. Uh, she says, you know, um, you know, at the window, we see Billy. He jumps over a fence, a six-foot fence lands in our backyard he comes running like crazy to the back door and i can tell he sees me through the window and he has this look in his eyes comes slamming in the back stumbles in the kitchen i start screaming and i think my mom starts screaming too and there was blood coming out of his nose and mouth and he goes and hangs his head in the sink blood's just gushing gushing like a waterfall and he turns and looks at us, real strange and all bloody. And then he bolts out the back again. We're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Sophie says, and you didn't tell anyone? Megan says, we just didn't know what to do. We didn't know what the hell was going on with him. And I know him and my mom had a thing. And then, Sof- Sof- and then Sophie asks her, what's your mom's name? And Megan says, Tina. And we're like, Oh, we're putting these puzzle pieces together of Billy and Tina and who we still don't know who the fuck they really are, though. Right. But but but. what? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry. What I thought was interesting was yeah. now we know that whatever Audrey and Charlie are talking about, mm-hmm. it's it's somewhat based in some kind of reality. OK, that's true. Yes, it is based in, in some reality. Yeah. It's not just some crazy story that's going on in Audrey's head and right being yeah. fed by Charlie, the littlest man in the world. <laughs> I got work to do. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> sleepy. <laughs> uh. So anyway, um, but uh, yeah. So we were t- talking earlier about the drunk who was in uh, the jail cell, who had a right. really bloody mouth and just dripping blood everywhere. So, yeah, and you had kind of said, is that possibly Billy? But, yeah. Because you I had, mean, right, cause you had foreknowledge you, of, of this story that uh, Megan tells. Right, yeah. And mm. so, yeah, you're thinking while she tells this story, hmm, that blood coming out of his nose and a lot of blood and blah, blah, blah. You're like, it's the guy in the jail cell jail cell but um could be then when i looked when you watch the credits he's just credited as drunk so maybe that's not billy i don't know maybe that's billy's doppelganger or or they're just not ready to reveal to us that he is he's billy or maybe he's not maybe he's just a one-time actor in this one episode for a comedy relief right who knows yeah yeah he almost Uh, looked like a woodsman at first, right, you know, right, yeah, but yeah, he obviously yes. wasn't because he wouldn't. Did you? He wouldn't asking for any lights or anything, right? 
<laughs> did you uh, did you notice in the credits? Did they credit Carl Strickland as as the fireman? Yes, I think so. I, I, I wondered because you know they've credited him as question mark for a while now, right? Um, yeah, but he definitely says he's the fireman in this one, right? In this episode, I guess that's comes- why. Yeah, they weren't ready to reveal. To us that, yeah, he was a character called the Fireman, so that's why, yeah, I guess they were up until this point calling him question mark. So maybe the drunk will, it still could be Billy, who knows, yeah. Yeah, we shall find out, Uh, maybe, or maybe it, right? maybe the drunk means nothing. So the one girl talking is Megan, Mm -hmm. and then the other girl who is Lynch's wife, Lynch's very young wife, What's yes. what's her character's name? Sophie. Sophie. Okay. Uh huh. Then who's Renee that James wants to meet with? R- Renee is the woman while James was singing his song. Just you. Oh uh, yeah, she's crying. Right. She's right. very moved by this horrible song. Uh, <laughs> right. All this stuff right. makes you want to go. It's almost like the last five minutes of most of the episodes is some other completely different storyline that's going on. Yeah, yeah. But it's it, like you want you want to go watch all the last five minutes of each episode and put all put stuff together. Yep. Or see if you can. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I I still want to hear about that penguin. Um. Yeah. What the <laughs> fuck is the story on the penguin? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Wah, wah, wah. Um, okay. So, uh, they oh. also say, mm-hmm. um, uh, which one is it that's telling the story about the Billy coming? Is that Megan? Uh, yes, the younger one, Megan, is talking about Billy running into their kitchen. Yeah, and she says it took a while to clean up the blood, and then I still don't remember if my uncle was there, which is, what the fuck is that about? <laughs> right, it's like, like, I don't know, some some strange, I don't know. You know how people when people right. tell stories they go off on little tangents. We wouldn't know about that, but uh, <laughs> right, yeah, well, you know, it's, 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 yeah. She, she was just trying to remember the, I guess, remember the occurrence as best she could, and she was thinking maybe somebody else was in the room, but she wasn't sure. I don't know. Right, yeah. it may mean yeah, something. It, it may mean nothing. You know, right. Unless her uncle turns out to be somebody of significance. Right. I was like, is her uncle Charlie? Maybe. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. See? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, uh, oh, I guess the last thing we see in the episode is the Roadhouse proudly presents Lissy. I think they pronounce it Lisey. Lisey? Okay. There you go. Okay. Thank you. Because I had to write it phonetically because I was like, oh, yeah, it's spelled Lissy, but the, Lisey. the yeah, it's they say Lisey. Lisey. Okay, thank you. And uh, they, uh, they perform the song Wild West. And I actually like the song. Really? Yeah. Was... I was just like, meh, it's okay. I didn't particularly find it that great. But was... I think after all the shit that happened in this episode, I wasn't in any place to really pay any attention to a song. I, my mind was still reeling from oh, yeah. uh, gloved hands and oh, and yeah. um, firemen and oh, my God. Uh, Asian eyeless women and, right. and truck you. <laughs> yeah, because now she's out in the real world now. The uh, yeah. Asian eyeless woman, uh, what's her name? NATO. NATO. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. Yeah. And hey, it really is the Wild West now. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe <laughs> so. Yeah. But uh, we are definitely everything is converging. Everything's oh my God. moving 
further yeah. closer and closer in on Twin Peaks, it feels like. Oh, to be sure, everybody's uh, moving in, and and things are slowly starting to be revealed, and little mysteries that we thought that didn't really mean anything might mean something, like that weird sound in the Great Northern. Um, right. Because uh, we might find out what's going on in our next episode. Yeah. Or, or could not. Mean anything. <laughs> could mean anything. Yeah, could mean nothing. You never know. Yeah. I guess the only other thing I wanted to mention was um, at, at the end of the episode, it says, in memory of David Bowie, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that I, I think that is quite fitting under the circumstances, yeah. Since, so many, I don't know mm-hmm. what um, Lynch's plan is for the character of Philip Jeffries, um, but he's he's really fucking important to this story. I know. And so many other directors would have, you know, because I've I've read, and who knows if it's true or not, that Lynch wanted Bowie to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, but he, he died right before they started filming. And um, mm. if that's the case, so many other directors would have just, you know, would have probably recast it, tried to figure... You know, yeah. tried to just put someone else in that role and and hope that we could accept it, but Lynch always figures well, out another way to do it. And, you know, it has been twenty five years, so I guess they could just get a guy that kind of looks like an older version of a younger Bowie. Right. I mean, I, we joked in one episode the the uh, Richard Butler from Psychedelic Furs. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> could certainly do it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, because. You know, after 25 years, who knows what Philip Jeffries looks like now? Would look like, yeah, that's true. And yeah. I just, so, you know, who knows what the original script had, for example, of the of the conversation Lynch has about his Monica Bellucci, not Monica. Um, yeah, that's what's right. What's her name? That's right. Is it Monica Bellucci? Yes. Yeah. Um, who knows what that scene originally looked like in the script, but he made it work by using scenes from Fire Walk With Me, so... Right. You know, oh it, yeah. It wor- and it worked wonderfully. I, yeah, I love that. You know, it's yeah. Uh, I almost felt like I was watching a Linklater film where they've got you know where they shot scenes <laughs> 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 over many years. <laughs> Instead was, of Boyhood, yeah, it's boy. Doppelgangerhood. <laughs> yes, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Because you were inter intercutting between you know the present and the past. It just uh, it kind of sent chills through me. Even though I yeah you know I seen the scene before uh the the old scene before and fire walk with me but still it's cool very cool right it it's really interesting because like for a second when lynch is telling that story and he and he says i saw my myself younger or i saw myself or whatever you know right. and they cut to him with black hair for a second i'm like did they just put a black in his hair you know did they just <laughs> dye, dye his hair temporarily so he could play <laughs> himself as a younger guy and i'm like no wait a minute that's that's right. what he really looked like 25 years ago. Yeah, plus they would have had to use a whole lot of spackling to fill in all the cracks in his face. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. it was it was a short right. thought. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, whatever. That's fine. Uh, but, uh, wow. I mean, all in all, an amazing episode. I mean, God, most uh, a good bulk of the scenes were just so significant. Yeah, um, yeah, the, I loved it. To the it. story, yeah. I the yeah the whole Andy thing was just like a high point for mm-hmm. me. I just I loved that, and then you know have a cute little British boy tell a story. I could listen to him read the phone book. But uh, <laughs> you want him to use yeah. his uh, green gloved hand on you? Oh my goodness! <laughs> um, 
I can't. And I looked up that actor's name. I don't think he's been in anything else. Uh, but okay. um, he, I just thought he was amazing in this. I mean, I was. I thought that's. Of course, he had a great dialogue. I, that story was just fascinating. And and yeah, and you're yeah. of course the whole time you're listening to it, and it gets towards the end. You're like, this is going to go somewhere in a future episode. This is, you know, it, we pretty much know he's going to come into play to something that's going to happen. Right. I mean, he's. You know what? He's like the, he might be the thing that helps to counteract, uh, you know, Woodsman or the strength of uh, Bad Cooper, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, oh, wow, yeah. With that, yeah, who knows? Yeah, with that pile driver of a hand. Oh, I mean, he could definitely beat Cooper in arm wrestling, so. Oh, there you wow. go. Wow. Hmm, good point. They, I hope it's shirtless arm wrestling. Anyway, um. <laughs> <laughs> Good episode, man. Oh, this was this was so fun. This was yeah, like one of the most fun episodes we've had together. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I, I think the show's just gonna. I mean, we've only got four four pieces left, and I think it's it's just gonna be uphill from here, you know, and be just uh, great. I'm really excited. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we're still far out from the you know several episodes away from the finale and all this exciting shit is happening i mean god i can't even imagine what the last episode is going to be like jeez yeah things are converging something is building Mm -hmm. um so to be sure i'm excited to just see where it goes yeah i'm still curious as to how everything ties together of course maybe they're not going to tie it they're probably not going to tie everything up in a, a pretty little bow but uh there's going to be some there's going to be some closure. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, I you know, just like the best of Lynch, it will in it will ask more questions than it answers, but it will still be exciting and interesting. Right. Something will happen. Yeah. I, I'm going to be sad though when it's when it's finally over though. Me, be like, me too, man. Oh, I still want more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Greedy for Lynch. Yeah, I could I could watch some some of these characters, you know, mm-hmm. like like Bobby, the character of Bobby, I just think is so interesting. And, you yeah. know, uh, stuff with both Sheriff Truman's and Hawk and so many interesting characters that I love that I could watch them in any just about any story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You just wish the Twin Peaks universe could go on and on forever. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and it does in its own way. Well, that's true. And then, I mean, course, of course, they're going to have the uh, the release of the uh, the new book by Mark Frost. What's it called? The final dossier. Yeah. So who knows what that will be? Have you pre-ordered yours? I haven't yet, but I probably will soon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the price is cheap, man. Yeah, it's real reasonable. Yeah, and like, I just, yeah. I was like, ah, oh, don't. I'm. I try not to buy a book until I'm read the one. That I have. Yeah, and yeah. I, Me, too. I, um, Me too. I'm still working on the secret history of Twin Peaks or whatever that's called. Right. And, Me, and Me too. I was in the middle of reading um, uh, Venus on the Half Shell, the, hmm. the Vonnegut, not Vonnegut book, the Kilgore Trout book that's not by Kilgore Trout. Um, and I uh, stopped reading that to read the Twin Peaks book. So uh, okay. I got a lot of reading to do. <laughs> yeah, you left uh, Kilgore Trout hanging in the air. I did. I'll get back to it eventually. So. Of, of course. All right. Well, great episode, and uh, so I guess I'll just uh, tell our listeners, slide in next week for another fabulous episode of A Slippery Slope. I'm like the Blue Rose. (laughs) 
is it? It's Major Briggs, Agent Cooper. Just a moment. Major? May I come in, please? I have a message for you. From whom? Now, I'm not at liberty to reveal the nature of my work. This secrecy pains me from time to time. Any bureaucracy that functions in secret inevitably lends itself to corruption. But these rules I have pledged to uphold. I believe a pledge is sacred. Speaking as a man and a fellow employee of the federal government, so do I. Well, I may reveal this much. Among my many tasks is the maintenance of deep space monitors aimed at galaxies beyond our own. We routinely receive various communications, space garbage to decode and examine. They look something like this. It's radio waves and gibberish, Agent Cooper. Till Thursday night, Friday morning to be exact. Around the time that I was shot. The readout took us by surprise. Row after row of gibberish, and all of a sudden, the owls are not what they seem. Why did you bring this to me? Because later in the morning,